T, how's it going, buddy? It's going, my man. Hey, I'll, uh, I'm reading you loud and clear, so I'm just going to uh, throw out the intro, and then uh, we'll get right to it, all right? Okay. Cool. Uh, ACCBR number 36, coming at you with a special midweek episode. Brought back a previous guest, a guest that you guys all apparently love, because he is still the owner of the easily the most downloaded episode of ACCBR that I've ever had. Um, got a hold of me a couple days ago, wanted to go live, talk about some stuff. The one and only, Harold Little. T, how you doing, buddy? doing well Mike. how are you guys doing uh, i'm doing well man i uh you know i uh, i was i wasn't i'm not paying a, a whole lot of attention to this trial um you know it's just i if i thought something was going to come of it then i might pay a little bit more attention as far as the regulation by the ncaa goes but i did see uh <clears throat> you know i didn't see a whole lot about you guys and then your name was invoked i think late last week and I sent you a text, you know, you know, hope it's all going well. And you said that, you know, the nonsense had already started again. What uh, what was going on as soon as you guys were mentioned in court again? Yeah, um, um, basically what happened was, Mike, was um, people just started coming out of the woodworks again on social media, making the claim, hey, you guys got paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, you guys are cheaters and Carolina as a as an institution, you know, is full of cheaters. Roy Williams is a cheater. Everyone knew so that type of stuff, and and it was more so about people trashing my son's name, right? And um, you know, one's parental nature is to kind of want to protect their kid, mm-hmm. and you know, you want to fight them off as <laughs> as good as you can, but it's just impossible, man. Oh, it's got to be overbearing, really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So that's what was getting getting to us. And I think after um, information had come out earlier in the year, um, I think I think around April or May time frame when um, Brad Augustine, um, wh- where the charges were dropped against him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for lack of a better term, I think in his deposition or his interview or whatever it was, um, stated that, hey, I did this on my own. I had no intention instance of giving any money to any family but people still wanted to push the narrative that you know we took money but i i tell you man i wanted to start checking my email to see if i missed something (laughs) (laughs) so i i read the uh the interview you did with was inside carolina the 247 the 247 sports with carolina i think it just came out this morning um i read a little bit about that today um have you, I know that you said that you had, you know, you didn't think that Brad had any nefarious intentions, things like that. Have you guys actually had a conversation? I mean, have you actually been able to holler at him be like, you know, look what, you know, this shit did put my family through, you know, the implications it's had to my son's eligibility in college, his possible future. Has that conversation happened? No, um, we haven't had an opportunity to have that conversation yet. Um, the, I, the conversation that we had was, via email mm-hmm. um and it was just him trying to explain to me what happened um i'm fairly positive that i didn't get the full story mm-hmm. only i only got the story from his perspective um and because i know him and kind of piecing things together from the um tj gasnola testimony and the trial I kind of, you know, did some deductive reasoning, thinking like, okay, if what TJ Gasnola is saying is true, 
I kind of understand what Brad was trying to do. And it looked like he was just trying to get money for the program, not necessarily for himself. And that's not to say, hey, I know that for a fact. You're talking about the One Family program? Is that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. For the One Family program, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that's just my assessment of the situation. Now, that's not to say that he wasn't going to pocket some money, but I can't say that with any certainty. Right. And, um, and, and I'm just trying to be optimistic and pragmatic and just saying I'm hoping that he had no ill, ill intentions. Mm. But regardless of what his intentions were, my family was hurt, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and and the execution of what maybe what he was trying to do just ended up in 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 some, you know, metaphorical pain for my family. Right. Um, how is because I don't, I don't know Nas at all. I, you know, I mostly interact with you for the most part. Uh, how is he? How is he held up? Uh, you know, because it was kind of, uh, you know, I, I spoke to you in April and there wasn't a whole lot said. And then all of a sudden, you know, you guys were kind of thrust back into into it uh, for about a week or so. Um, how was how has it impacted him, if at all? Who, Nas? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it bothers him, but I think for an 18-year-old kid, he does a good job of insulating himself from the from the noise mm-hmm. that's going on with the trial and all that good stuff like that. So I give him a lot of credit for everything that's going on and then everything that he's trying to do to be able to block that stuff out and still and still perform well on the court. Yeah. And then to still perform well in the classroom, even throughout high school and now into the infancy of his um, college career. So, you know, it affects him because we talk about it from time to time, just like kind of, you know, in a cursory manner, mm-hmm. but nothing too deep. Hey, how you doing, my man? Hey, is there, you know, don't let this stuff get to you. Keep doing what you've always done, so on and so forth. Um, so it's only natural, you know, that people would feel a certain way if they're kind of thrust into a situation. And in that, especially that can be challenging, especially when it's, um, calling into question your character and your integrity and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, so I think he's handled it pretty well. But <laughs> like anyone, he has his days. But I think it's going to get a lot better from here on out. I, I had to laugh last night because I, I I follow him on Twitter, but I don't. He doesn't. I don't think he puts a whole lot out there. And uh, you know, last night or it was either last night or the night before, he he spoke up and said, you know, I hope that the media, you know basically actively tries to retract some of the nonsense they've been putting out there about me with the same kind of vigor that they were putting the the, the bullshit out there on me. And uh, it's the first time I really think I've seen him actually address it on, on social media like that. I, I think I only follow him on Twitter, but um, I had to chuckle and, you know, you know give him a little fist pound. And uh, I saw Brian Snow, who is a recruiting analyst, I think, for, I think it's 24-7, or it might be NBC, and he he was kind of in jest saying, yeah, that's not really how the media works, unfortunately. But it but he, Brian was also saying that it should work that way. Unfortunately, it's it's not how it works. But I thought uh, I like that you know the little uh, twenty word sentence that Nas put out there that was you know kind of you know I, I was telling the truth the whole time, and now I'd really appreciate it if you guys could actually give me some props for telling the truth the whole time. Yeah, I think that's the hard part that. You're sitting here knowing that you haven't done anything wrong, but your words are not good enough. Right. And you have to have 
essentially was a third party verify the truth that you're telling. Because mm-hmm. um, if you remember back in um, April when we talked, I don't know if it was on the show or if it, or if it was afterwards or whatnot, mm-hmm. when we signed the affidavits and, and um, saying, hey, this is what we did, you know, under under, you know, the punishment of perjury if we weren't telling the truth. And we kind of thought that that would subside some of the negative energy that we we were getting out there from people and stuff like that, but it didn't. Right. And <laughs> but uh, but now with the stuff coming out with the proof from the text messages and um, the stuff that has come out in the trial, you know that third party confirmation that the littles were telling the truth. And even with that, man, it still hasn't subsided with other fan bases and stuff like that. But hey, what are you gonna do, right? There's nothing you can do, man. You just gotta, like you know, like we talked about the other day. You just gotta let the storm pass because eventually these people will grasp onto something else. And with the way that the news happens these days, it, it'll fade as fast as it came on to you guys. And you know, hopefully, everybody get on with their life. Uh, you know, Nas gets on with his, you know, his UNC career and and does what he's gonna do this 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 season. So I'm looking forward to that a great deal. Hopefully, you guys are able to put this behind you and and, and move on to the next chapter. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So. Uh, so so what's uh what's going on i i gotta be honest t you know you kind of you, you gave me the message i was all about it i just got home from work i have no notes i'm just kind of shooting from the hip right now so uh so what else is going on um nah man i'm just um looking at the end of the trial and looking at the information that's coming from all of that and you know saying like you know n- now kind of sitting back a little bit and seeing other names thrust into the forefront and knowing how they may be feeling and like, Ooh, you know, you guys are in a precarious situation, but, and I don't want to reach out to them and say, Hey, it's bad now, but I think it's going to get better. Um, yeah. Cause is Nasir and Zion are pretty tight. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, they are. That's correct. And I saw, you know, a lot of the stuff is coming out about his, about his situation now. And, you know, it, it seems like there's, it, there's like a, you know, a hit list that they're just going down through and seeing what will stick right now. Um, are, they, are they still friendly? Yeah, I mean, obviously I, they're pretty close as far as geography goes. No, they are. Um, I think um, because they are, they are parts of programs that are such deep rivals. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of limit their interaction with each other. Mm-hmm. That it's not so public. But like I said, I'm only prognosticating sure. here, so so don't take it as gospel. Sure, but um. So what they do is they kind of support each other in subtle ways, like when they see each other have successes or they say, hey, I'm doing this, that, the third, you know, they'll like each other's posts mm-hmm. or, you know, like send each other like a, a fist bump emoji or something like that. Like, hey, get at it, man. See you when we play you, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if they've had any conversations about anything. I doubt if they have, but I, I you know, having just recently experienced all this stuff. I know that these stories are out there for the public to consume and there's no context or nuance to anything. So, you know, you're sitting there kind of knowing the detail as it pertains to you as the subject of everything that's going on, but nobody else knows and all they can go off of are the headlines that are out there. Right. And that, and that's, that's the shitty part right there. You know what I'm saying? Cause you can't even you can't even tell the truth because everybody's going about they're doubting you because they believe the headlines, right? And it's like you know, you know hey, you know what are you going to do? Um, 
Well, they only get it from one side. It's not like they can they can call you guys and say, "Hey, you know what's what's the what's the truth?" You know. Exactly. Exactly. But other than that, man, I'm just waiting for the season to start. I'm 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 pretty anxious uh, for the season to start and see how your predictions for the ACC work (laughs) out. (laughs) Man, I'm taking a lot of heat for my NC State love. But I'm not taking. Yeah, right. I'm not. I'm not taking any heat for picking UNC for to win the ACC this year. So, um, you know, I've seen a lot of Duke. Uh, I actually seen a lot of Virginia, which kind of surprises me a little bit. I just think, I, I think they're when you're talking about um, Kobe White playing the point for UNC, mm-hmm. and people say you know he doesn't really fit. He's more of an off guard, more of a combo guard, score first kind of guard. I think you're really splitting hairs because when you when you actually watch the kid play, he's super talented. And right. you look at the pieces around him, they're also very talented. So, you know, everybody I think is going to get their opportunities. I think I, I just like the way that UNC is built. They got the size, they got the scoring from the wing, they've got rebounding, they can play multiple different defenses, multiple different offenses with some interchangeable parts. I just, I, I really like the Tar Heels. And when it comes down to the Duke or UNC, Duke, you know, once again is reply, uh, you know, relying on freshmen that, probably haven't played a whole lot of basketball together in, in real game situations. So that's that's kind of why I went UNC over Duke this year. Um, right. Middle of the pack is, is always kind of a crapshoot. I mean, if you can pick the middle of the pack in the ACC, then you're you're far smarter than I am. Yeah. And I think um, when you, when you kind of juxtapose Carolina and Duke and you look at the freshman classes that are coming in, I think what people have to be cognizant of are the circumstances under which they've come into their to, to their respective programs. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the freshman classes coming into Carolina, they're not necessarily going to be asked to do the things that the freshman that the incoming freshman class at Duke is going to be right. asked to do. So people got to kind of take these things with a, with a grain of salt. So you're looking at a, a program like Carolina that has three seniors that are there who were significant parts of the program last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I guess traditionally Carolina is not going to be a team unless it's just something completely glaringly bad about the incumbent, right? That they're going to ask freshmen to come in and just take over from for where you have seniors in those positions. Now with Duke, they recruited. They had a whole a whole starting five basically come in in their recruiting class for 2018. So so you've basically recruited over guys who have already been there. And I think I saw something the other day that um, Bolden's not even going to be starting now. So you yeah. got you, you you have this kid who's been in this program for three years now. Mm-hmm. And he's still not getting his turn because you keep recruiting over him. So, yeah. you know, you know, those things like that, man, kind of would it drive me batshit crazy if I were him. So, but what's, uh, hey, you know, it, it would, is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's what it is. And I think what drives me even more crazy and something that a lot of people don't catch up on is I think it happened at Florida State last year. Florida State signed MJ Walker very late. He was one of the last guys to sign. And as soon as he signed, or a couple of days before he signed, one of their incoming freshmen all of a sudden didn't didn't qualify for school. Couldn't make it into Florida State, which 
I've oh, never wow. I've never heard of. And I think he ended up at St. John's, I think was I, I can't remember the kid's name off my head, but it, it's 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 becoming more prevalent that these kids sign and then they're being immediately recruited over and then all of a sudden their scholarship is not renewed because as as you well know, scholarships are year to year. They're not a four year thing. Um with with Bolden, there was there was talk that he was gonna transfer earlier in his career and he didn't. And coming into the season, I thought that he was going to be kind of a guy that steps up. And then on their trip to Canada, he did not play well. And now there's all kinds of talk about Zion playing the five. And I've never, I I think Zion's going to rebound the ball like a madman at college. But I've just, I've never seen him play with his back to the basket either. It's it's another one of those aspects of the game that I've never seen him play. Not that that's prevalent, I guess, in, in college basketball now, but. Is, is, do you think Zion can be an effective number five, an effective pivot guy? I, I don't think so. so, especially with some – I mean, he's strong. Mm-hmm. He's athletic. But with a lot of the size against which he would be competing, I'm, I'm not sure how effective he would be. Do you think that Delorier would be a better option at that five spot than Zion? I, I like Delorier better than I like Bolden, truth be told. Um my question now with Javin is now he's coming off a foot injury, um, which I guess is a stress reaction. That always kind of raises a red flag because stress reactions typically eventually lead to stress fractures. So I wonder about how many minutes he's going to be able to be on the court. Um, I think, you know, if you look at Duke's roster, it's, you know, their five best is Zion at the five, which I don't know if he's, he's effective with Alex O'Connell, uh, Cam, RJ, and, and Trey Jones, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody, I think. But, um, you know, four guards around Zion. I just don't know if – I know he can rebound. I just don't know if he can maybe defend. You know, there's a couple seven-footers in the ACC, you know. I just I, I I haven't know. seen him live, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think out of, out of that group that you mentioned, I think the one where there's going to be no question is Trey Jones. I think Trey Jones is, is – his spot – and that whole group is solidified and everybody know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's some, there's going to be some risk involved in running that group out there. Yes. They're all athletic. They're all very hyper talented kids, but strategically, I don't know how this is going to work out for them in a lot, in some situations, you know what I'm saying? You know, talent can take you a long way, man, but mm-hmm. shit. Well, I mean, freshmen don't defend either. So six, 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 seven. (laughs) Right, and they're freshmen, and they're freshmen on top of that. Which you know, I think uh, you know, K deployed that zone, and they were very good last year. But again, if you if you're gonna play a zone, and your back line is gonna be Cam Zion and Alex O'Connell, that's that's not exactly the Syracuse two three zone. You know what I mean? So it's. It's really interesting right. to me. It's going to be interesting to see how Coach K, who is, you know, he's he's a master. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's one of the greatest ever. Yeah. You know, he's the guy's going to win 25, 30 games. It's going to be interesting to watch him do it with this yeah. class for sure. And, um, and I like O'Connell. I like O'Connell, man. Yes. I mean, this, that dude's a freaking shooter, man. He's a, he's, a, he's a freak of an athlete. I don't think people really realize it because he hasn't been able to showcase it. But if you look at – if you punch in and, and, and look at his YouTube stuff – He's, mm-hmm. for, I hate to say it, like for a white kid, he is unreal at, at throwing it down. I mean, he's got some serious but that's hops. The thing. But, that's, but people aren't going to assume that because he is a white kid. 
did. So, you know, the, the white kids never get credit for being as athletic as they right. are. We went to late night with we went to late night with Roy, mm-hmm. and I'm you you want to know someone who's athletic? <laughs> that kid, Caleb Ellis, man, the the um, guy who was on JV. Yeah, man, that son of a gun boy, <laughs> he got some hops, man. Okay, so 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 late night with Roy. Did did you teach Nas that dance move? Because <laughs> I saw I saw Man, I didn't see I, the whole thing. I saw about five seconds of it on Twitter, and he was having a good time. But he, I, I thought he had more rhythm than that. <laughs> no, I did not teach him that because I can't because I can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. And I'm not one to criticize, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> Um, what, uh, you know, I saw, have you seen, you know, did you get to meet any of the, uh, the potential incoming kids, the Cole Anthony's, I know Boogie Ellis was there, but, uh, did you get to, you know, interact with anybody like that? Um, Cole, Cole and Armando were not there. Okay. So they were all, who all prospects who were visiting during late night. Um, the ones that I interacted with were, um, Boogie and his coach who was there with him Mm -hmm. and um, the I think he's a 2020 kid Zaire Williams I think his name is who came out from Cali as well Mm -hmm. he's a 6'9 kid Um, I think he's 2020 so I I interacted with him the other guys who were there it was such a a hustle and bustle Mm. that we really didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of extracurricular stuff and they had their um schedules planned out pretty well on hosting those guys and everything so they had you know like an itinerary so to speak so you know they were off doing their thing while we were just trying to spend as much time with Nas as we possibly could sure um, have you have you have you had the opportunity to actually watch Carolina run at all, as far as practice or anything like that? Yeah, we did. Did um, we watched them practice um, the day the next day um, following late night with Roy? So I got up early that morning and watched them practice on um, Saturday morning. Do you have an opinion? the The other freshman is a kid that is really intriguing to me. Is it Inky Black? Is that his nickname? Is it? Uh, yep, Leaky. Leaky yep. Black. That's what it is. He. What is he? He's six eight. Handles the ball. I've never seen him play live. But I mean, no, somebody he's that's... an. E- yeah, he, he's an easy six eight. Um, you know, I mean, in in bare feet, six eight. <laughs> and he, and so he handles the ball. He's plays legitimately point. tall. Yeah. He he is better than a serviceable option at point. And the thing that makes him good is um, while he is a capable ball hand handler, I don't necessarily think he's exceptional. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But but he has like really, really good vision and he has good decision making. Like he he's not careless with the ball. And when he's running plays, if he's at the point, um, he thinks a couple of play He thinks a, a couple of plays ahead like what his potential options are going to be during the play. And he can make his decision very, very quickly. Um, we, when not earlier in Nas's AAU career, he played against them, but I don't think he, I don't think he was playing point at the time. Mm-hmm. He was playing more on the wing and he developed his point guard skills um, throughout high school. 
and um, kind of watching him back when they were sophomores in high school to where he is now, he has really worked really, really hard. And he is, like I said, more than a serviceable point guard. Um, what the true probability of him playing that at Carolina, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but he could definitely do it in a pinch if they needed him to. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I see him. I see that he's a four-star, you know, fringe five-star guy. And I see a lot of the a lot of the limelight going to Nasir um, and going to Kobe and, you know, some other guys. I mean, this team's absolutely loaded. You know, Luke May, Kenny Williams, Cameron Johnson. And they got a five-star kid who's 6'7", listed as a point guard, number 42 in the country, and you never hear anything about him, and it's absolutely bonkers <laughs> to me. That's how loaded this team is. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I pick him number one, because this is the, what, the number nine kid on the bench? It's it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. But you know what, though, Mike? Um, I think the one thing with Leakey is that Leakey, he was in the eye very, very early. And I'm not sure how much you followed him, but back in his freshman, sophomore year, mm-hmm. he was like he was like top 15 in the country. Yeah. So he he got it early and he was tall early and mm-hmm. very skilled, went down to Montverde. So he, he moved around schools a little bit. But um, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, because I didn't see any drop off in his skill, but he just kind of moved down from that five star into the four star range. Yeah. And maybe it had something to do with playing with a kid like Wendell Moore, sure. who was getting a lot of pub uh, in the 2019 class. So I, I, it, like a number of factors that led to him dropping. But he was five star early in the class of 2018. You know? You know, it might be, you know, as other kids develop their games, grow into their frames, you know, and and develop, you know, it's to be that good that early. You know, it's difficult when these kids are, you know, they're still 15, 16 years old to project. I mean, you know, uh, you know, look at Nasir after his sophomore year, he went from what, number 110 to second in the country. So in, in the span yeah. of 18 months. So. You know, it's it's difficult to project, but I'm interested to see him play just because I am fascinated by, uh, you know, back in the day, there was a kid at Louisville named Reese Gaines who was 6'6", 6'8", you know, played the point, played it well. I think those kids are just, you know, those kids are, 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 it's not really nice to say, but freaks of nature as far as having that size and being able to handle the ball, you know, shoot over the zone, uh, drive the lane, drive and kick. It's just to watch somebody like a, a Tracy McGrady do that and handle the ball like that is absolutely crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I want to I want to talk. You, you mentioned you were uh, part of the trial was you were kind of listening to see who whose names were coming out and anything like that. Obviously, um, a lot of these guys. This is all Adidas related. Was has anybody been mentioned that kind of took you by surprise or maybe the, the depth of say like a bill self. I know that Kansas wasn't, they weren't in your, in your final five, but I'm sure they were involved at some point. Did they, does that, did that surprise you? Any, any of them schools like that? Um, I'm, I'm trying, I mean, is there a way that I can say this without sound, sounding like I'm speaking <laughs> negatively about someone, but then, I, I'll say, I, I'll say this to be honest with you. I'm not surprised by what I have heard, but more surprised by what I have heard. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I get I get messages all the time saying, 
you know, they're gonna they're gonna say this in court or they're gonna play this in court. And I think, um, you know, I, I read about the judge, and the judge is uh, notorious for his big money trial. I think I heard this on Gary Parish's podcast, but he's notorious for um, you know big money white collar crime fraud stuff like that. And I think he's done. He's not placating to the 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 masses as far as what they want to hear. Everybody wants to hear the dirt on what's going on in college basketball, and he's kind of keeping the spotlight on the task at hand, which is did these guys commit fraud, which is what they're on trial for. They're not on trial for breaking NCAA regulations because he doesn't care right. about that. So I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of people aren't getting what they want to hear, and. I'm wondering how that's going to impact the NCAA as far as how they punish some of these guys down the road. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I don't, is, was it the new rule that came into place this year, Mike, where they were saying that now they can, the NCAA is now able to get any evidence that's been kind of cultivated by any other law enforcement agency and now use it when they go after schools and stuff? Well, it's, it's this is, uh, I was talking to some guys today. This is interesting. They are able, the NCAA passed a rule that says they are able to use evidence from law enforcement agencies to make determinations on how to punish people that break the rules. Um, now, that still leaves the FBI, they're, they're more than able to say, nah, we're not sharing that with you. Um, because after this trial, I was told today, there's two more trials scheduled, one for the winter and one for the spring. Um, you know, who's included in that? I don't know, but certainly no information is going to be released from the FBI to somebody like the NCAA before those trials conclude. I can't imagine anyway. Yeah. The, the, the spout, the, um, excuse me, the trials coming up in the, um, winter and the spring are the actual coaches who were being charged. So you got like, um. Um, Tony Bland from USC, um, uh, Lamont Evans, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Pearson from Auburn. And um, Book Richardson. And Book, yeah, and Book Richardson from Arizona. So all those trials are going down in the um, in the winter and spring. So, yeah, so the coaches' turns are next. So uh, I don't – I don't understand – I don't think a lot of people, and a lot of people like we talk about, me and you constantly, is grabbing for headlines. I don't, I don't know what these guys really did wrong. It's not, it's not against the law to pay people for services. Um, it may, as far as going to jail, it may violate NCAA regs, but I don't, I don't really understand how these guys could go to jail unless it's. I've heard the, the term defrauding. Um, public or private institutions, public institutions, things like that. But I'm not sure they did that either. I mean, they just paid guys to say, you know, here's some cash while you're in school and you're broke. Sign with this agent later. I don't, I don't know what these guys did wrong. Do you have any right. idea? I mean, I, I, I think that's what, I think that's what they're going for. And the only other thing I can think of is the additional income. They didn't report it for federal ah, tax. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the only crime that I can think of is income tax evasion. Yeah. So, I don't know what the other charges are. So, you know, it's going to be tough. And even with this, even with the current trial, I'm trying to figure out how the hell they expect to win this and, and show victimhood of the schools. I, I just don't see it, man. Yeah. The the only thing, and I've asked this on a couple of, of people that I know, I'm, I'm certainly no lawyer and I don't really pretend to be. Um, I heard back a while that in order to raise some of these funds, 
that some of these guys created invoices, submitted them, and received cash, and that was how they received this cash to get to some of these players, coaches, whoever. And that would that would be embezzlement. I haven't heard I haven't heard that's not one of the charges that these guys are facing, to my knowledge. And I I just don't know I don't I don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. We're we're spending a lot of money with FBI wiretaps and and undercover people and this big trial and all this media attention. And I, I'm not sure what we're trying to get at other than, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's all I have to say. I don't really know what we're getting at because it sounds like embezzlement, but admittedly, I guess I don't know all the ins and outs of fraud or conspiracy to commit fraud. And I, I just don't know what, what we're going after these guys for if we're not going to, I mean, if you cut, I, I just think that if you get, like, if you get rid of the drug dealers, then five other drug dealers pop up in their place. And, exactly. I, you know, I think that's what's going to happen here if the NCAA chooses not to act. Um, do you see the NCAA making any kind of alterations in how they're regulating any of this stuff? No, I don't. And, and I, now this is where I'm being pessimistic. Honestly, I just kind of feel like the NCAA is going to say, you know what? If we open up this can of worms, we're going to, man, we're going to face holy hell. So what we're going to do is we're going to go out to all the ADs and say, all right, guys, free pass for everybody. But from this point on, if we catch anything, you're done. That's what I think is going to happen, because if they if they decide to pursue a lot of the stuff that's come that has come out, mm-hmm. I mean, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to knock down some luminaries in this thing, man. Yeah. And I don't think they can do that. Yeah, the whole the whole situation may just crumble. And you know, from what I've been told as well, this is another thing that I haven't verified, but comes from a guy that I trust. Is the NCAA makes something like ninety to ninety five percent of their profits from college basketball? They don't actually make a ton of money off college football. So. You know, the March Madness model, all that, that is the entire, basically the entire revenue stream for the NCAA as, as, a, as a regulatory entity or whatever they are. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's biting the hand that feeds you in, in, a, in a crazy way. And to, if you're going to fire Hall of Fame guys or, or show cause guys like Bill Self, um, Sean Miller, guys like this. I mean, you're you're taking some of the heavy hitters out of the game, and I, I agree. I don't I don't think it's coming, and I, I don't think people are going to get what they want as far as death penalty situations or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's it's a pretty 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 messed up situation, man. And, and I don't know how they're going to get their way out of it unless they just you know go with the scorched earth theory. So. It's just pretty difficult to navigate. Man, you know how angry it makes me that a guy like Daryl LeBerry gets fired for potentially or allegedly um, getting a, a recruit, a young man, into an establishment where you have to be 18 or older, 21 or older, and now we have these guys that are they're allegedly paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, buying cars, buying houses, providing jobs, and these guys may not face any penalties whatsoever. That drives me absolutely crazy that GTEC did not stand behind Coach LeBerry. And, you know, he's one of the notoriously great guys in the game, and he got completely blindsided by this, and it just pisses me off. <clears throat> yeah, I, and, and, man, 
And I'm still pissed off about that whole thing happening with him because I, he just hasn't, I, as far as I know, man, he hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. So. Is it... Yeah, I, I hear the story. Uh, what was it uh, about Coach LeBerry that he he drove through a hurricane to to visit Mike DeVoe and visit his family or something like that? When I can't remember. That's a fact. That that's is a fact. fact. That is a fact. That's um, that's crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was last year when Irma hit. Okay. Yep he went down da- he went down there um, and, and drove through Irma, and if I'm not mistaken, got trapped down there in Orlando. So. <laughs> Uh, that right there tells you everything you need to know about Coach LeBerry and that Georgia Tech should have stood behind him when these allegations came up. And that's the last I'll ever say on ACC BR about hating the firing of Daryl LeBerry. Because <laughs> I, bring, I bring it up way too often. No, nobody, no podcast talks about their grievances about the firings of assistant coaches more than I talk about that firing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, T, uh, I was glad to hook up with you again. Glad to get uh, your thoughts, a little inside info on, on UNC. Was there uh, was there anything you wanted to get off your chest tonight? Nah, man, I just really um, appreciate you, man, just being the person you are. The content that you put on the podcast is A1. Everybody that I can tell about it, I tell them about it. And, and just, just especially for ACC fans, man, and it's a labor of love because I don't believe you're getting rich off of this. But, Shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for for fans who are thirsty for the information, I really don't feel like you can get, you know, a better platform with the content that you put out, man. It's freaking awesome, man. And people need to wake up to it. I appreciate that, man. Well, uh, I don't know what your schedule is this winter, but uh, we'll catch a game sometime. There's plenty of it going on in the Triangle. So uh, whenever you're in town, you want to catch a game, let me know. We'll uh, we'll take one in. Yeah, just when we come up, we're coming up for all the games on the weekend. So okay. if it's just me and my wife, man, and you're not doing shit, come on out. Cool, man. I'll be in touch. All right, man. Thanks, D. Take it easy. Anytime. Later.